Hey everyone and welcome to the Greater Than Podcast. My name's Elijah Merle. So honored and blessed you took out the time to join us again today. Man, I tell you, we are in for a treat on this episode. You know what to do. If you leave a like, a comment, a review, let us know that the podcast is blessing you, man. I got people coming up to me telling me, man, this podcast has been a blessing. You know, I got people who have friends that talk about the podcast. I mean, oh, it's so cool. I'm so thankful. The Lord is really using it to bless people. And that's what it's all about, man. That's what it's all about. The purpose of the podcast, First John 4, 4, you are of God, little children. You've already overcome them for greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We want to talk about what's going on in the world and even culture and approach it from a biblical perspective to find and to remind ourselves that greater is he on the inside of us than he that is in the world. Listen, we had a spirit wind conference not too long ago. You would have, before you heard this podcast, you would have heard the podcast with pastor James Lavender that we recorded. What a good podcast that was sharing his testimony, kind of having a discussion and going all over the place, but a fun podcast nonetheless. Um, And you know, I'm just encouraged in that the Lord is bringing people together. You know, we had that conference in April that I'm referring to, and we had an amazing time. The Lord helped us. You guys heard the podcast Head and Shoulders, where I um, ministered on that Thursday morning. One of the, I think, the most important message I've ever preached so far in my short, short time of ministry. And so um, I'm excited about it. So anyway, I say all that to say good things are happening, and I'm excited about this season that we find ourselves in. By all means, as I've said before, if you if you want to reach out, you can on Instagram, Facebook. Uh, I am Elijah Merle. You can reach out to me. I'm I'm approachable. You can talk to me, man. Even tell me like if there's something you want me to talk about or cover on the podcast, and I'd love to look at that and see what we can do. All right, let's pray, and we're gonna dig right on in. Father God, we thank you so much for your word, for the anointing. We acknowledge you, and we acknowledge your might and superiority over us, and we say that you are the one who gives light and revelation and truth that makes free. Not any man, not any person, but the personality of the Lord Jesus Christ, the person, the man, Christ Jesus. He's the one. And by the person of the Holy Spirit, he is able to illuminate and to give us light. So, Father, we say we receive our eyes are anointed to see, ears are anointed to hear, hearts are anointed to understand who we are in Jesus and who he is in us. And Satan, we bind you. We bind darkness. We bind confusion. And we thank you, Lord, that your glorious light will shine through in the darkness, will comprehend it not. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, here we go. You see the title. Is socialism biblical? Uh Uh-oh. I said, is socialism biblical? I've been hearing a lot about socialism, man. I've been hearing a whole bunch about it here lately. So, you know, listen, you know what Elijah does, homie? We approach, listen, let's approach it. Let's talk about it <laughs> from a biblical perspective. And so that's what we will be doing on this particular episode of the Greater Than Podcast. And so uh, let's dig right on in. But before we do, I need to say this. I don't have anything against anybody, any party, any whatever, you know, it, politically. I have nothing against anyone. I have no hatred, animosity against anybody in office or anybody who used to be in office who, none of that. This is once again, opinions, uh, excuse, excuse my French. I'm gonna go ahead and say it. Opinions be damned. What does the word of God 
reveal and say. I mean, you got to get to that point in your life personally. Now, you don't have to word it like I worded it, obviously, but you do need to get to that point in your life where it's like, you know what? What does the word say? Either way, and go in it, go in it neutral, man. Go in it like I don't because you can have opinions and think, well, the Bible says this about this thing. But then you look at it and you're like, well, maybe it does. Man. So you've got to not bring the Bible and bring it down to your little <laughs> to your little experiences. But believe the spirit of God to elevate your life to match the word. Um, so that's what we're doing with, with socialism. Uh, we're coming at it not because a lot of people say it's wrong and, and you know, I, I, I would agree. I would agree. But once again, what, where are the scriptures that say that? What are the scriptures that reveal that? What are the scriptures that go against that? Don't, it's not just about your convictions as an American. Oh, that's not going to hold up. See, you can say, oh, this thing is wrong or that thing is wrong. But if, it, if that if that conviction is not founded firmly in the word of God, it will not be eternal. Oh, Lord, I'm just getting off into it, man. I, it, it will not be eternal. It won't last past this life, this, this natural life that we live. If it is not founded in the word of God, uh, Jesus said, my words won't pass away. Uh, there's a lot of your, your granddaddy's opinion will pass away. Mm -hmm. But the word. That's not what's going to be your little redneck. Uh oh, your redneck way you you grew up. That'll pass away. But the word. That's not going to pass away. So I don't have any problem with you having your convictions, whether it's on gun control, whether it's on whatever, any other political stance that you want to take abortion, all of that. What does the Bible say? And if you truly call God your God and Jesus your Lord, it has nothing. It, it has nothing to do with your opinion. It has nothing to do with how you were raised. It has nothing to do with what your mom and dad says, what your cousin says, what your best friend says. It has nothing to do with that. It has no, nothing to do with what the president says. Whoever, whatever administration, whatever uh, Republican, Democrat, whoever we got in at the time, it, that doesn't even matter. What matters the end of the day, when this is all said and done, I'm thinking eternity. You know, my friend J.D. Romick, who's been on the podcast before, blessed to be a blessing. If you haven't heard that, it would do you good to go back into the archives of Greater Than the Podcast and listen to that one. But J.D. Romick said this in the, the conference that I referenced at the beginning of the podcast, Spirit Wind Conference. He said this, a lot of times people are saying, where do you see yourself in five years? But JD said, what we should be asking is, where do you see yourself in 5,000 years? Where do you see yourself in 10,000 years? Because like I said before, uh, the, the thing that remains, the thing that endures past this life is the word of God and our service to the word. So uh, I say all that to say long spiel, but I say all that to say that with anything in the word of God, with anything, Find out what the, the, the word of God says and what it reveals. Anything about God. Find out what the word of God says and reveals about God. Uh, the, but always remember this, though. If you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. To understand the Father and see the Father in his true nature without the veiled view of the Old Testament. Because the Bible, Paul reveals, don't hey, don't get mad at me. Paul reveals that the Old Testament is veiled. 
It's a veiled view of God. To see God in his highest quality, it's like, um, I forget what the lowest um, on YouTube, you know, if it's really low, it's like 190 pixels or something like that, you know, 180 or whatever it is uh, on a video. But, you know, you ever go into a video that has uh, 4K on YouTube or whatever you listen, you, you watch videos, I should say. When you, well, let me say it like this. The Old Testament is that 180p. Jesus revealed the Father in the New Testament. That's 4K. That's that Ultra HD is looking at the life of Jesus, how he interacted and how he dealt with people. The Old Testament will not give you a clear view of the Father. I'm sorry. There are great things in there that can carry over to the life of Jesus, obviously, because Jesus fulfilled scripture. And, and that scripture would be the Old Testament. But the clearest view of God, Jesus is the expressed image of the Father. Jesus reveals the glory of the Father is Jesus. But anyway, say all that to say, approach everything in your life from a biblical perspective. Long PSA, but there you go nonetheless. Let's begin. Acts chapter 2, 4, 44 through 45. And let's just go for it. Now, all who were who believed, excuse me, were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as any one had need. Point number one is socialism biblical. Point number one, I want to talk about what God endorses. Point number one, God endorses generosity or free will giving. Uh, Acts 4, 32 through 35 is a popular verse that people use for socialism. Socialism is a system uh, in which the means of production and distribution and exchange of goods are regulated by the community as a whole or by the government. Um, I don't claim to be a socialist uh, or, you know, obviously a socialist. I don't claim to have any knowledge of socialism other than what can be found on the Internet. Um, I, I, I can't, I don't say that. Let me, let me, let me say that from the jump. Um, just from the things that I understand and we are all growing in our understanding, the things that I'm understanding about it from the little research that I've done, that's what I'm approaching. That's what I'm talking about. Disclaimer. All right. Um, uh, that's what I'm talking about. All right. Is that system that, and, and, uh, in acts four, now, let me read that again. Socialism is a system in which the means of production, uh, distribution and exchange of goods are regulated by the government uh, or a community as a whole. And let me uh, look up real quickly here uh, and see, man, I tell you what, what, what are we going to do next on this podcast, man? We just, we're talking about real stuff. Uh, you know, the dictionary calls it a, a, a political and economic theory of social organ, uh, organization. And it, it talks about that and, and the, the distribution, like I said, of, of goods that should be sold or regulated by the community as a whole. Uh, we see that, um, that, but the dictionary, if you search up in your Google or whatever, it'll say that same thing. And so, um, I don't, you know, I'm not here to talk about the left or talk about the right or anything like that. I'm not, I'm not talking about anything. Other than that, I'm talking about socialism. Don't have any person in mind. I'm not against anybody who is a socialist there or who has that conviction that that would be a good thing. 
I'm not going against them, but I do believe that we need to identify the spirit of things. But just because, um, yeah, let's let's just keep going. Let's keep going. Scriptures, man, scriptures. Acts 4, 32 through 35. Now the multitude of those who believed were one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. Uh-oh. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Nor was there any among them who lacked for all who were possessors of lands and houses, sold them and brought the, the, the proceeds of the things that were sold and laid them at the apostles feet. And they distributed it to each as anyone had need. You know, that's the verse that's used to talk about socialism. Let's look at Acts chapter five. When this same thing is talked about here, Acts chapter five, one through five. Point number one, God endorses uh, generosity and free, free will giving and free will giving. But there was a certain man named Ananias who, with his wife, Sapphira, this is the New Living Translation, sold some property. He brought money. Uh, he brought part of the money to the apostles, claiming it was the full amount with his wife's consent. He kept the rest. Then Peter said, Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? Watch this. You lied to the Holy Spirit. And you kept some of the money for yourself. Watch this part. The property was yours. Let me run that back. The property was yours. It belonged to you. To sell or not to sell as you wished. And after selling it, the money was also yours. Oh, so it didn't belong to the church. Oh, because there are some people who talk about Christian socialism. But Paul, or excuse me, Peter is saying here, the property was yours. The money that came from selling the property was yours to give away. But how could you do a thing like this? You weren't lying to us, but to God. And as soon as Ananias heard these words, he fell to the floor and died. Everyone who heard about it was terrified. Peter condemned them not because they kept part of the money, he he's correcting this and dealing with the spirit behind it because they lied, misrepresenting their gift and misrepresenting generosity. Uh, the, the early church demonstrated a pattern of generous giving as the Lord had blessed individuals and as he led them to give. Uh, it wasn't that, oh, OK, we just got to make sure. Well, let me keep it scriptural. Second Corinthians nine, six through seven, because once again, your opinion, my opinion does not endure. The word of God does. Second Corinthians nine, six through seven. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will reap also bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, in his own heart. Not grudgingly, watch this now, or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Not grudgingly literally means not out of grief, not as uh, it, not as it were to be sorry to part with your money, to, to, to give your money. You shouldn't give if you're sorry about giving. You shouldn't do it. Not as if it, he were constrained to do a thing that was extremely painful for him or of necessity of necessity means this as if he were compelled to do it, not that he was constrained to do it, not that he was compelled to do it, not forcibly taking away from this person to give to that person. 
Amen. Second <laughs> Corinthians eight twelve through thirteen says this: If there first be a willing mind, it is acceptable according to what one has, and not according to what he doesn't have. For I do not mean that others should be eased. Watch this, and you burdened. Paul's saying here: I don't want one party to be eased and another party to be burdened. First, I want there to be a willing heart or a willing mind. Then it's acceptable according to what a man has, not according to what he does not have. He says, I don't, I don't mean for other men to be eased. He's saying, I do not intend that others be eased in order to relieve you. Or you can literally say it like this, not that there should be rest, a letting loose, a relaxation to others, but affliction to you. That's not what Paul has in his heart. Paul presses upon them the duty of giving according to their means. I think a lot of times people don't give according to their means. They give beyond their means and then they find themselves in trouble because they're trying to impress somebody or because they're trying to uh, this trying to abuse the principle of, of giving and receiving. Jesus said that you are you ought to give without expecting anything in return. Well, Elijah, how could we rectify this? What, what does this mean? How does this uh, coincide with the rest of Scripture? Well, it's simply this. Uh, you, you don't give to receive. You, you, it's not like going into the casino and putting the money in the slot machine and saying, all right, here we go. Let's get all cherries here or, or whatever it is that you want to hit on that on the on the slot. That's not giving and receiving. That's not the right heart of it. Uh, what the Bible says, give. And it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Will men put into your bosom? Well, who is doing what? You have your part. God has his part. My part is to give. Not expecting anything returned from the person I'm giving to. Not expecting anything returned from anybody. I'm just giving because I want to give. And the Bible says that if you do that in the right heart, God is able to make all the grace abound towards you. So apparently the harvest, we have our part to play in the harvest, amen. But the harvest, you put in that seed and then the ground produces fruit of itself, Jesus talks about. And the, the man who's sowing the seed, he has no idea how this is going. He doesn't know the inner workings and, and the inner uh, immaculate. Well, what was that that, that Pastor Starr said on, on, on SpongeBob? Oh, I know Frankie, he's going to be he's going to be yelling at me what he said. Frankie, he he. He, he enjoys SpongeBob as well. But what was that episode of SpongeBob? The inner, what did pa Patrick say? The inner, uh, the inner machinations of my mind are an enigma. <laughs> but anyway, I say all that to say, we are to give joyfully and generously, not expecting anything in return from man, but knowing that of God, we will receive a reward. And that looks differently. It's not always money that comes right back to you, even if you sow money, because sometimes you need something deeper than that. You need something more than that. Uh, so don't give in response to pressure. Paul is saying don't give beyond your means. And he does not intend that the entire burden would come on someone else, that one be eased and another burden. Is socialism biblical? Let's keep going. First Timothy six seventeen through nineteen. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Watch this. Let them. 
do good. So watch, he commands them who are rich not to be prideful and not to trust in uncertain riches. If anything, he could have said, command those who are rich to give to the poor. But that's not what he said. Command those who are rich to get rid of all those riches. Let's have this thing where everybody and, and put it under the control of the church where we can put the money wherever we want, wherever there seems to be need. But that's not what he says. He says, command those who are rich in this world not to be haughty or to trust in uncertain riches. First Timothy six seventeen through 19. But he goes on to say, let them do this. Let them do good that they may be rich in good works, ready to give, watch this, willing to share. He didn't say uh, make it so that they are compelled to share or they're forced to share. They're willing to do it. And what they do in turn is store up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. Point number two, God endorses property rights. Uh-oh, God endorses property rights. Exodus 20 verse 15 says, you shall not steal. Well, if that if something doesn't belong, uh-oh, well, if that property doesn't belong to that person, then how on earth can we, okay, let's move on then. Let's move on. Verse 17, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox nor his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbor's. You see how socialism breaks the commandments. Uh-oh. The New Living Translation says it like this. You must not covet your neighbor's house. You must not covet your neighbor's wife, male or female servant, ox or donkey, or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. Private property. Property rights. To not covet, that means, no, we should not feel that it is our right to have other people's stuff. Covetousness in, in Colossians 3, verse 5, at the end of it, it says covetousness, which is idolatry. I believe that socialism is covetousness. Uh-oh. And covetousness is idolatry. Let me say it like this. In a, so, in a socialistic system, Nine times out of 10, like I said, I'm, a, I'm exercising humility. <laughs> I'm going to just give an opportunity here. Nine times, 9.9 .9 times out of 10. Socialism replaces the worship of God with the worship of the government. Well, there it is. Well, thanks, guys, for listening. I, I, hopefully you leave a like, a comment. Or, no, we're not done yet. Come on now. Colossians says this in the Passion Translation of verse 6, when you, um, well, in the Passion Translation of verse 5 of Colossians 3, live as one who has died to every form of sexual sin and impurity. Live as one who's died to the desires for forbidden things, including the desire of wealth, which is the essence of idol worship. It's worshiping something. Uh, the desire of wealth or covetousness, which uh, Exodus twenty seventeen says, you shall not covet. Socialism, I believe, is covetousness. Socialism is covetousness and covetousness is idolatry. So therefore, in a socialistic system, the worship of God is replaced with the worship of government and with the worship of stuff. Material things. It's tight, but right. Point number three. Let's begin to wrap this one up. 
And like I said, listen, don't be coming back at me. Well, Elijah, you know, this, this, and this. Where's the scripture? Come. If you're going to, listen, we can talk. But come at me with the scriptures, all right? Because your opinion don't mean Jack. It don't mean New Jack City. It don't mean anything, man. If you don't have the word. Because what lasts past this life? I'm a believer, okay? I believe in the word of God. I believe in what the scriptures reveal and teach and the proper context behind the scriptures. Not laced in how so-and-so taught it, how this person said it, but what does that verse mean? What does it mean? What do the words mean? What do the definitions mean? That's what's important. Not anyone's opinion, but what does the inspired word of God reveal? So if you want to talk about these things and, and, and you feel like that I'm totally off and I, I most of the people listening to the podcast wouldn't think that, but a lot of people that may listen to the podcast would. And I, and I kind of I want that. I welcome that. Let's talk about it. I'm not unapproachable. I'm not where you can't talk to me on the phone. You can't you can't message me on Instagram or Facebook and be like, hey, what about this? This, this and this. Let's talk about it. But what I always will say, come at me with scriptures, not with your opinion, not telling me what, well, so-and-so said this and -and so-and-so said that. Where's the scripture? Let's move on to point number three and begin to wrap this up. Point number three, God endorses eating your own bread. God endorses eating your own bread. <clears throat> Whoa, excuse me there. I got did y'all hear that? Good night. Excuse me, y'all. God endorses eating your own bread. We'll add that to the bloopers. Ecclesiastes 5, 18 through 20. Here we go. Here it is what I have seen. It is good and fitting for one to eat and drink. Watch this. And to enjoy the good of all his labor in which he toils under the sun all the days of his life which god gives him for it is his heritage as for every man to whom god has given riches and wealth and given him power to eat of it oh that's powerful that's another podcast i can't touch on that to receive his heritage watch this and rejoice in his labor this is the gift of god to rejoice in his labor his own labor Uh, the enjoying the good of all his labor. This is a gift of God for he will not dwell uh, unduly on the days of his life uh, because God keeps him busy with the joy of his heart. So he he won't be idle. He won't be in these place of being uh, confounded by wrong things, distracted, but he will keep himself busy with the joy of his heart. Well, this one may not be so popular, but he said he's not unduly on the days of his life. Uh, you know how unduly I, I feel like that means to be. Let me look up that. Let me look that up in the dictionary real quick. Okay, it means to be, in uh, to an unwarranted degree, to an unwarranted degree. So he will not dwell unto an un, unwarranted degree on the days of his life because God keeps him busy with the joy of his heart. Oh my goodness. Labor. Here's the main point. Here's the main thing. Enjoying the good of all his labor. 
This is good. This is fitting for one to eat and drink, to enjoy the fruit of his labor, to rejoice in his labor. This is the gift of God. This is how God intends for it to be. Second Thessalonians is, is powerful here as we begin to wrap this up. Second Thessalonians 3, 16. I'm sorry, Second Thessalonians 3, 6 through 13. But we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw from every brother who walks disorderly. Keep that in mind. Uh, walks disorderly and not according to the tradition which he received from us. There are some traditions that are good. There are some that are good, that are scriptural. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow us. For we were not disorderly among you, nor did we eat anyone's bread free of charge. Watch this. But worked with labor and toil night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. Not because we do not have authority. He said, I'm not saying this because we don't have the authority to, 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 to come in and say, hey, give me some money. Because if we communicate to you spiritual things, you ought to communicate unto us carnal things. It's fair to do so. But he's saying we didn't do that because we didn't decide not to do that, you know, to come in and say, all right, give us money. Not because it wasn't in our authority to, it was in our jurisdiction. We could have done that, but instead we wanted to make ourselves an example of how you should follow us. For even when we were with you, we commanded you this. If anyone will not work, neither, neither should he eat. For we hear that there are some who walk among you in a disorderly manner, not working at all. Uh-oh, in a what? disorderly manner. He says to watch out and withdraw from people who walk disorderly, walking disorderly, disorderly, excuse me, according to this scripture. Now, according to this scripture context, like I say all the time, context, walking disorderly in this scripture is not working at all. That's what he says. Who walk among you in a disorderly manner, not working at all, but are busy bodies. They're all in other people's business. Now, those who are such, we command and exhort through our Lord Jesus Christ that they work in quietness. And here it is. Eat their own bread. Don't be mooching off of other people. Don't expect these kind of handouts that just take care of everything for you. Now, don't get me wrong. God does endorse free will giving, generosity, but he does not endorse laziness and slothfulness. He doesn't endorse that. Uh, there are people who need to be working. There are people who need to be doing something, doing what God's called them to do. Saying, you know, you may be retired, but you're never, listen, you're never retired from the things of God and what he's called you to do. You're still called to do something. You're still called to work with and, and for the Lord. You're still called to do that. That, that calling never goes away. That's an, that's a calling that endures past this life. He says, I want them to eat their, eat their own bread, not someone else's bread, but their own bread. That's what God endorses. Amplified Bible. And then I'm done. Verse 10 through 12 in the Amplified Classic. For while we were yet with you, we gave you this rule in charge. If anyone will not work, neither let him eat. Indeed, we hear that some among you are disorderly, that they are passing their lives in idleness, neglectful of duty, being busy with other people's affairs instead of their own and doing no work. 
Now we charge and exhort such persons as ministers in him, exhorting those in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, that they work in quietness and earn their own food and other necessities. This is the this is what they've commanded. This is the charge. This is the exhortation that it gives to these people that are being idle, that are in other people's business. He says, you work in quietness. You earn your own food and other necessities. Ladies and gentlemen, God endorses number one, generosity and free will giving, not this manipulation. The New Testament does not call for the church to embrace socialism much less society at large. It doesn't call for that. There is free will giving and free will offerings that can be offered. Ananias and Sapphira did not get in trouble because they didn't give all of the proceeds because they, listen, we're supposed to give it all now. No, they got in trouble and judgment came because they lied to the Holy Spirit and were and would not repent. They lied to the Holy Spirit and would not repent. That's where the judgment came into play. Uh, we see that God endorses free will giving. It's not to be done grudgingly, not of necessity. We see point number two, that God endorses property rights. You shall not steal. You don't covet what belongs to someone else. Socialism, I believe, is covetousness. Covetousness is idolatry, which is the worship of, a, of another thing other than God, another idol other than God. So in a socialistic system, in this system that we're talking about, that we're going against in this, in the word, that's the worship of God. That's where the worship of God is replaced with the worship of government. <laughs> and point number three, God endorses eating your own bread. It's a gift from God to rejoice in the fruit of your own labor, to not walk disorderly, but to walk and to work with labor, to, to, to have an example is what Paul said. He later on goes to say, I give y'all an example. We're not mooching off of people. We're not mooching off the church. We could, we have every right to do so, but we refuse to because we want to set an example for you to follow. He's saying, I command that you work, that you earn your own food and other necessities. There is a grace and a call that's on each and every person's life. And what we're supposed to do is, is use that grace and that call to, to serve God. But he's also given us gifts to, to help us to, to make money, to help us to, to do things. Well, Elijah, you know, so-and-so won't give me an opportunity. Listen, if you will go at it from this, from the word. What does the word say? If you will apply the word of God, apply pressure to it, <laughs> apply the word of God to it and watch the word of God take you to a place and give you authority and give you place and give you ability and give you opportunities that are far beyond your wildest dreams. Not because you're trying to do what's trending on TikTok and and on Facebook and on what people are talking about on Clubhouse, but instead you are endeavoring to follow the word of God. Is, is socialism biblical? I don't believe it is. I would say no. I don't believe the word of God reveals in that, that it is. I believe the word of God is contrary to that. So what does that mean? What side should we be on? We should always side with the things of God and the word of God. Because, ladies and gentlemen, the end of the day, that is what lasts forever. Let me pray for you. Father God, thank you so much for your word. Father, I, I hope and I pray that I was able to communicate it in a way where I'm not judging anybody or I'm not against anybody or, or any party or anything such or anything like that, but that 
my heart is that we would grow in you and grow in our knowledge of what your word says and reveals for our lives personally what to believe in and what to stand on father we thank you for this word we thank you for each and every person listening i thank you that they i call them blessed enabled to do what you've called them to do and to do it at a high level to, to do it at a top-notch level after a godly sort that the anointing works and abides on the inside of them and upon them to do the task that you've called them to do, to work with their hands, the thing that is good, so that they may have to give to someone who needs it, that they're willing to give and willing to share and willing to communicate. And as we all obey you, Father, we will see that our collective worlds, our worlds as individuals, gets better and better, and our light shines brighter and brighter. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, guys. Love y'all so much. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Leave a like, a comment, a review. Let us know that this podcast is blessing you. My name's Elijah Merle, and remember this. Greater is he on the inside of you than he that is in the world. Thank you for listening to the Greater Than Podcast. If you'd like to learn more, please visit us at MerleMinistries.com. That's M-U-R-R-E-L-L Ministries.com. Merle Ministries International.